The Light FM presents Community Spotlight, a program designed to focus on what's important to you in your community. Now here's Braxton with today's Community Spotlight. All right, good morning and welcome to Community Spotlight on The Light FM. My name is Braxton Critcher. Reminder before we start today that if you want to go back and listen to prior episodes or share this episode with a friend, you can simply by going to our website, thelightfm.org and finding podcast or really simple text the word podcast to 1-800-293-1069 that's 1-800-293-1069 today i am pleased to be joined by two folks ned fowler and rick baker from the western north carolina peer support network a network that helps first responders prepare for and recover from traumatic experiences Rick, Ned, good morning. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having us. All right, guys. So I guess I'll address this to you first, Rick. Kind of give us the quick overview of what WNC Peer Support Network is and who you serve and why. Um, The WNC Peer Support Network is a um, collection of, a collaboration of um, probably right now close to a couple hundred um, volunteer peers from fire, law enforcement, EMS, communication, as well as um, chaplains and uh, mental health clinicians. We primarily serve um, first responders following um, critical incidents that they have or things that they experience or witness on the job. This is really a great ministry, a great network called the WNC Peer Support Network, and I'm talking with Rick Baker and Ned Fowler. Ned, as someone who's served as a firefighter and an EMT before, how much does talking with someone help you cope with getting over these traumatic experiences? I've learned that that is extremely helpful. Uh, in beginning, you know, a career 40-plus years ago, the culture in most emergency services organizations was very much you, you don't talk about uh, how or if things impact you. Uh, the, it was pretty much uh, a, a suck it up buttercup uh, and just move on. And uh, we found that uh, in, in doing that, uh, people would begin to internalize and uh, you just keep adding more and more things to that backpack that you're carrying with you every day. Yeah. And if you don't find a way to, to remove something from the backpack, occasionally the, the weight just came, continues to get greater and greater. And what I had to learn through experience was that uh, that talking about an, an event or, or something that was sticking with you and that you were replaying over and over uh, in, in your mind, which is very common for uh, first responders, uh, talking about it actually gets it into a different part of your brain and uh, it allows you to, to file that away in the proper place rather than it getting stuck in that uh, continuous loop that sometimes uh, happens. Rick, I think this is a great question for you since you have not served as a first responder, but do support them through your help with the WNC Peer Support Network. For you, I think Ned kind of touched on it, but the perception of first responders is that because they do this day in, day out, that when things like this happen to them and their own personal life, that they can suck it up and kind of get through it when times do get tough. 
But that's simply not true. They're humans, just like Ned talked about. Uh, in your experience, what's that like dealing with first responders when all of a sudden they've been helping other people go through difficult times and, and then now it's happening to them? Yeah, um, the, the whole um, suck it up buttercup um, is, is something that, you know, I call, um, and I didn't coin this term, but I like it a lot, um, cultural brainwashing. And I think that the culture self imposes that a lot of times. First responders really want to be um, ten foot tall and bulletproof, um, and they, I think it's easy to forget that um, they're just as human as everybody else. And eventually, the um, sort of the, the hazards of that job can overwhelm their coping abilities, um, and then they um, experience symptoms of uh, trauma or, or emotional distress. And I think in first responders, particularly, they'll, they'll keep suppressing and suppressing and suppressing uh, the symptoms and the problems until, like Ned said, that backpack gets gets overloaded. And, and when that gets overloaded, um, it, um, it's, it's pretty distressing in first responders, um, you know, um, how the, the symptoms will manifest and um, and show up. And so you know, I think one of the things um, we look to have happen, or one of our objectives of our team is for it to, to be okay for first responders to ask for help as soon as they recognize that they need it and yeah. kind of um, sort of eliminate that cultural brainwashing of, of suck it up. I'm supposed to be tougher than this. And so to make it okay to not be okay, and then to make it okay to, to reach out um, when they need it, because the sooner they reach out, um, the easier it is to um, resolve the symptoms and um, you know get back to that high level of functioning that they were at prior to that unfortunate yeah. experience. We're talking with Rick Baker and Ned Fowler from the WNC Peer Support Network. And Ned, I'm going to ask you this. So we've kind of talked about the personal things for first responders and how they can get over it and your own personal experience. But how about work-related trauma? Sometimes seeing other families and other individuals go through through difficult things day in day out is really really tough for 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 the first responder. So what what's that what's that been like in your experience? It it really is, uh, Braxton, as you said that that combination of things that are that are happening in your personal life, and then adding on to that the the things that that you see and experience at work, because. First responders uh, have the the same challenges, financial challenges, relationship challenges, uh, you know, family illnesses that everyone else has. And uh, when you bring those things with you to to work and you then are seeing uh, other individuals who are experiencing those same crises, sometimes results in them having to reach out or interact with first responders, whether it's law enforcement fire, EMS personnel, uh, and uh, you, you have that, uh, you know, that image that the first responder is, uh, is supposed to be tough, and uh, they aren't supposed to allow things to, to bother them, whether it's something from home or work, yeah. and uh, we have to begin to, to break that stigma uh, to help folks recognize that when when you're you're seeing uh, things that that most human beings don't experience uh, in their lifetime, uh, that you do have to have a way to to process that, to to work through it, and so it's it's important that we begin to ha- to have education early on in the career 
for first responders and throughout the career to help them understand behavioral health issues, help them build resiliency uh, to be better prepared to bounce back, and then to recognize that by having peers and others to help support you, folks to reach out to or who will reach out to you, uh, that will help you then connect with the network of support that's available through chaplains and behavioral health clinicians and, and many other resources in the community. So it's a, it's a collaborative effort to, to be able for the peers to become the bridge to all of those support resources that may be available but people just aren't aware of or because of culture and stigma are just reluctant to reach out to. Exactly. And I think, Ned, you kind of touched on my next question, that it can be hard to admit that you need help, especially for the first time. It's it's true for, for everybody, but first responders, sometimes more so. That's a huge challenge for, for first responders everywhere uh, because of the the culture that uh, we've grown up in, uh, that, uh, you know, we're, we're, you, you know, this isn't supposed to bother you because this is what you train for. This is what you anticipated. But uh, sometimes it doesn't have to be a major event. It can be something that would be a, you know, relatively routine type of encounter. But because of something that's happened in your personal life recently, it is, uh, it touches home for you. Maybe the the folks you're dealing with remind you of a family member or uh, they're they're just any number of things. It does not have to be a big event that gets uh, film at 11 and and, uh, above the fold headlines uh, in the newspaper. It can be that simple everyday call that uh, that sometimes is uh, is the one that that helps folks can realize, hey, this, that one's getting to me, or maybe it's our family members who tell us, you know, you're you're not uh, you're not behaving normally, and that's uh, that's often uh, difficult to hear. Yeah. And so the the first time you begin to reach out and make those connections with peers, uh, with chaplains or behavioral health professionals, uh, it can be frightening. And uh, one of the goals of the, the peer support network is to be able to help folks who who may be reluctant to, to help them uh, walk through that and have someone who's been there before, uh, who who knows how valuable the support can be, who knows the way back to walk with you uh, as you're beginning to take those steps. Uh, equally important to having the, the shared experience of, of- been there, done that, walked that same walk, is that um, every member of our team is, is pretty extensively trained in um, a nationally recognized program of peer support. So they're very much, they are men and women who are in emergency services who want to continue to help others in emergency services, but they've also committed to going through a pretty extensive training program to yeah. be able to provide this um, peer support and, and do these interventions, uh, one-on-one and group interventions that they're trained to do. So they, they, they have walked that walk, but they've also invested their own time um, to go through this training program. Now, Rick, maybe somebody is listening and realizes that they themselves need to contact the WNC Peer Support Network, or or maybe they know someone that, that they should recommend to reach out to you guys. How can they get in contact with, with your program, your, your ministry, your network, and, and receive some help? Sure. Um, we have an 800 number. They can call that 800 number. I think, Ned, you have that number right in front of you, right? 
Yes, that uh, that number is actually uh, 866-962-2476. That's 866-WNC-CISM. And individuals can contact us on their own, um, ask for a peer or peer support, or agencies um, can contact us and reach out, and we can deploy a team um, to respond if there's a incident within an agency, so we can deploy individuals or team, um, whatever the need is, we'll meet that need. Well, listen, guys, I think what you are doing with the WNC Peer Support Network is absolutely critical to what's going on with the first responders, and I, I love the work you're doing day in, day out, and I also appreciate your time joining me and explaining to our listeners, but also me, what you do and how we can get in contact. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Rashton. We hope you enjoyed today's Community Spotlight, covering issues that matter to you in your community. If you have a suggestion for a future program, just call 800-330-9648. That's 800-330-9648. Be sure to join us next week for another Community Spotlight with Braxton on The Light FM.